And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are, of course, talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man, back where it all began. And joining us on the show today, Pete, we have Lorraine Dom Milligan from Legible Scrawl. Hello, Lorraine. Hello. How are you? And welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited. So excited <laughs> to have you on the show today. All right. Well, thank you. And this is going to be a fun minute to talk about with you. So today yeah. we are digging into minute 14, which begins with Tony waiting on Rhodey and ends with Rhodey telling Tony what he sees in the mirror every time he puts his uniform on. Oh, Wonderful Rhodey. minute. Rhodey's oh, Rhodey. Rhodey. in the middle. <laughs> what are you going to do? This is a fun minute. Of course, we're, we're starting it off. We're still at Stark Industries Aviation Division, a.k.a. Edwards Air Force Base, where they filmed all of this. And you get this last little bit here, which is just a, a fun little bit of comedy that I think John Favreau does so well with Tony Stark as a character. And, and Robert Downey Jr. plays it so well. Waiting on you now. <laughs> Wheels up. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, Good well, stuff. it's so perfect. It's so perfect because of the way Favreau uh, walks in behind him. He's sort of waddling, carrying the uh, the bags, uh, and and just kind of ducks on the plane. Like literally, everything is ready now before Rhodes, and that just sort of feels like his lot in life. You know, it's it's not a lot, but it's a life. And I just feel like that gives a lot of background to all three of the characters in that. John Favreau's job is to kind of clean up in Tony's wake. And Tony is very good at flinging what he's in trouble for back on the person who's peeved with him at the moment. And we, we saw a little bit of this relationship earlier in the uh, casino, and it just continues here. And it's clear that this is the relationship <laughs> that these two share. Definitely, it has a different vibe from what it was in the comic books, which is, uh, you know, I, I mean... Rhodey was not, uh, he wasn't like the, the liaison as he is here. He actually worked for Tony. And so it was a little bit of a different relationship. But uh, I kind of really prefer this relationship. It's just, it's so enjoyable watching the two of them work together. You know, I do too. And I think because you get scenes like this, first of all, this particular minute where we have the opportunity to see Rhodes and Tony banter a little bit about, um, you know, at first about the sake and, the, you know, we, we're, we're not celebrating. We're working here, you know, and you can, you get that feeling that, that Rhodes is absolutely stuck in the middle of this rock and a hard place right here. He can't get out from under it. And yet he is so easily swayed, uh, which we get toward the end of this minute. And we see how easy it was, uh, you know, with a quick cut, how easy it was to get Rhodes just drunk in the back of the plane and uh, <laughs> just kind drinking. of forget. Right? <laughs> right? But but it's it's 11 o'clock at, it's 11 o'clock at night where they're going so of course that makes sense, right? I mean, we have that whole bit of, of logic uh, built in and I, you know, Andy probably want to introduce the, the extended cut here, the, the deleted scene, but I, I just, I, I really like that conflict because in such, it, it's such an efficient delivery mechanism for the conflict that Rhodes lives within. It really is. And, and he, he, it's, it's very much this love hate relationship <laughs> between these two guys. And I, I think that the way that Terrence Howard plays it works really well through the film. I mean, really does. Now, as, as you said, we, we do get inside the plane. We are going to talk about this, this extended scene. But before we get to that point, we do have to introduce 
our lovely flight attendants, all credited as flight attendant. <laughs> we have Sarah K. Hill. Uh, she is the, the first one that we see. She gives that silent, lascivious stare to Tony as she's setting the table. We have Janine Casper. She's the one who says, good morning, Mr. Stark. Hot towel. And we have Ricky Noel Lander as the one who offers the sake. So those are our three flight attendants that we have here. This How is an are interesting. Are going to talk about this? <laughs> they are women this... with speaking roles. Uh, okay. They are yes, they are women <laughs> with speaking roles. Unfortunately, none of them are credited with a name. Although we do find out one of their names in the deleted scene, Trixie. Which I guess I shouldn't be surprised. This is one of those moments that. It's, I don't know how well this would play today in the in the Me Too era, but I think in context of Tony Stark as this billionaire playboy who fits the mold for what Stan Lee was trying to create with you know a character that you would hate who would become a hero, I think it still works. I guess. <laughs> What do you guys think? You know, it's I I had to sigh at this particular minute. And and we you know, we're already breaking the rule, Andy, because we don't get to see the part that's so frustrating until the next minute tomorrow. So this is on you. But uh I I, I do feel like this had to be written to be gross. And maybe in 2009, you know, you know, maybe it would come away with a with more of an eye roll and a kind of a, uh, you know, shake it off kind of mass market pop culture kind of boys will be boys kind of grossness. For me, I, I find it really difficult to watch as a father of a daughter. You know, it's a it's it's hard for me to watch it because I, I don't know, it just it, it it feels wrong and out of place to me. But it, it's gross and it fits the character. That that and I, I think that as I think that kind of fits with what they're going for. It definitely fits what they're going for. I agree that if the movie were being made today, I don't think the scene would go the same way. Um, I think it would still be there, and I think um, the flavor would still be there. But I think uh, they would probably strive to give the flight attendants a little more agency in the situation because there is uh, none of that there is right. no agency <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that but there's also um it it varies from the deleted scene to the one that actually made it on f screen but um the way it looks on screen is that they had the sake hot and ready to go so um either they knew what was about to happen in the um you know, following scenes and we're looking to encourage that or, you know, it was even grosser than we thought. Yeah. What does that job interview <laughs> look like? You know what I mean? Like, I know you've uh, spent years at Delta, Miss Trixie, but we'd, we'd like to we'd like to change your responsibilities a little bit. Uh, it's just it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not even sure he'd go the Delta route to find <laughs> the people. It's it's more like going the Hooters route and then getting them trained to to work on the plane. Yeah. I don't you know. know. I, I, just, I don't know. I just want to I just want to make a pitch here, and on behalf of Tony's narrative, that we we have to see him do. We have to see him live through this kind of setup in order to buy his emotional transformation uh you know over the course of his 
total arc with Pepper, um, you know, we have to see where he started, and where he started is not a very good place. And you know, it's it's the it, essentially this scene marks the same kind of transformation that we get for his emotional narrative that it, you know starts with him recognizing the Stark Industries bomb that blows up right next to him for his professional transformation. And so in that regard, I think on behalf of the movie, I I think it works. It sort of has to work. And that I think is the crux of the whole thing is this is still painting the picture of that playboy that you just roll your eyes at because he's just really kind of a disgusting guy. He he's abusive of time of his friends. He kind of abuses his friendships. He abuses his money. We saw him, you know, wasting money at the casino. We see him uh, abusive of the women and throws them away. They're disposable like Christine, the reporter. And this is just a a further example of that. And that is a, I mean, you're right. It's a good portrait of this guy that we need to be hating for the beginning of the film. Well, that's my stake. I think so. Our flight attendants, just to give them a, a little more background so we actually know who these women are, Sarah Cahill, again, she's the first one. She is a former Miss Minnesota. This is the the second of our former misses, as you may recall back in the casino. Uh, one of the women on Tony's arms was a Miss Nevada at the time. Here we have Miss Minnesota. She doesn't ever speak here, but she does actually get to speak in the deleted scene when she says, good morning, Mr. Stark, Colonel Rhodes. So it's nice that she actually did have a line in the extended version. Ricky Noel Lander, the interesting thing about her, she's the third one who offers the hot sake. She was controversially dating the uh, 71-year-old New England Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, less than a year after his wife died in 2011. At the time, she was 32. That's, I guess, her claim to Perpetuating a baker's dozen of stereotypes (laughs) in that relationship. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Ricky. Cornucopia of life choices. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It it, it all leads to this. (laughs) There are some great lines that we have here. And and so, you know, kudos to either the the improv between these guys or just the the screenwriters, but the the fantastic nicknames that Tony keeps throwing at Rhodey, like platypus and Sourpuss, or Sour Patch. (laughs) Some great nicknames. And then I just absolutely love Terrence Howard's delivery when he's like, when you need your diaper changed, let me know and I'll get you a bottle. So good. Yeah, I mean, his uh, back to his his character piece, the one thing I wanted to add, which was interesting, because you look at, you listed off the litany of things that Tony was not a good guy about. Well, this is such a great scene because it shows really that, that Rhodes is taking advantage of these, you know, maybe in, in these little sort of implied or insidious ways, but he's taking advantage of this relationship that he has with Tony, right? They, they, are, they are symbiotic yeah, in, yes. and, and we see that in this in this scene that's one thing that marvel is extremely good at is showing male friendship even when it's not kind of what you just aspire to that's a good point and i think that despite the um some of the frustrations that we see with Rhodey in his friendship with Tony, largely just because of Tony's lack of uh, paying attention to things like, you know, the time the plane's supposed to leave. There is that level of friendship. And you see that in just the way they talk to each other, um, even though Rhodey's frustrated, it still has kind of that level of friendship frustration. And then when we cut to that, the second half of the scene, when they're drinking and we already have Rhodey pretty much 
drunk and he's just kind of spouting off. It just feels so natural. And it feels like this is something that these guys have done probably a good number of times. Yeah, too many times to count. I like another thing that Marvel does is they kind of throw in little clues like he was wearing red tinted sunglasses when he showed up to the plane, which is usually what people wear when they're ultra sensitive to light, which would imply that he might be a little hungover. And then the Minnesota in me was horrified by the fact that he was wearing a leather jacket in 72 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) It's a light leather jacket. (laughs) That's right. All weather. We we do get a tiny bit of the plane here. This is uh, Tony Stark's private jet, which actually is a, a CG model based on a modified uh, 737 from the Boeing business jets. Um, it's not an actual jet, but I really love the way that the the wings, uh, you know, the the wing tips go up and then the tail tips oh, go down. Totally. It just kind of creates a funky looking. A very funky looking uh, plane that I really enjoy. And apparently it's got like a third engine, I'm assuming. Is that what that is at the yeah, top? Yeah, I think so. Or I, you I guys know. tell? Yeah. A, that looks like an awfully big housing on the back to just be some weird exhaust. That feels like a, yeah. a, yeah, a second engine. Well, and it looks like engine. there's kind of an actual hole at the very back of it that I assume is an engine. And I'm assuming that this is Tony Stark. These things go pretty fast. And to that point, I, I should mentioned that in the script these guys get into a little it's a little stronger of a a fight when they're drinking and tony says you know what go hang out with the pilot you'll get along he's got a personality just like yours Rhodey goes i will he goes up to the cockpit opens the doors and it's revealed that the pilot chairs are empty and it's a (laughs) fully automated flight system which I think is interesting. You know, we're already entering that world yeah. where he's going to be creating these Iron Man suits, and here he is already building planes that fly with no pilots. Tony, if, if only you <laughs> knew what we knew, Tony. <laughs> I had been wondering while watching these scenes and had Googled uh, the flight time from L.A. to uh, Afghanistan, and it was a little over 22 hours. I, I I was digging into that too. I have a whole thing that I was gonna uh, I was gonna say for uh, tomorrow's episode for a minute fifteen, um, but we could talk about it now if you wanted to. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering, um, you know, <laughs> how did did they do it in one leg? Because it shows him getting off that plane at the airfield. It's a private jet, and looking up these planes, they can actually fly. It's it, according to you know my internet statistics. The flight time on regular planes is about uh, 22, 24 hours. Um, But the nautical miles from L.A. to Kabul is 6,671. Now, the business's business jets, they can fly about 7,000 nautical miles. So it can do the whole flight in one fell swoop without stopping. Of course, depending (laughs) on the cruising altitude, wind, all of that, it would fly in about 11 to 16 hours somewhere in that window to make that flight. And, and the plane so, lands coughing and wheezing uh, on fumes. Yeah, right. That, that seems risky. <laughs> but again, this is Tony Stark's yeah. plane. He's built it where he doesn't need pilots. So you would assume that he's probably done some additional tinkering in here to actually improve all of that. Fair point. Flying into a war zone yeah. <laughs> without a pilot. On fumes. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> 
it is a cool plane. And, and you know, to your point, I, that first shot that we get uh, of Tony in there right behind him is, is that the, the, it's a Stark family crest, right? Yes. How Stark. Exactly. <laughs> if only he knew about the generations uh, of war between the Starks. Uh, it's just it was is good it's so funny and and i saw that and i'm like I, is there a stark house that i've never like seen in any of the comics or anything i could not find anything about this so i think it's something maybe they created for the movie i don't know but it's like a funky two-headed bird or something i couldn't figure out it exactly I what started looking up other stark family crests uh and and there are i i couldn't find any that were that looked like this I kept coming up with wolves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found, I, I did find some other, I mean, there is a lot of fleur de lis. There's, there's one I found that was uh, in Scotland and America. It, it's like a giant bull and a hand reaching up out of like the ground, holding on to one of the horns as if it's hanging on the horn and the bull's head is turned sideways. It's really gross. And there's another one right next to it. That's like a straight up zombie attack. Like what no, is no, going no. It's on? It's even worse than that. There's another one that says House Stark and it has the cow's head and that same fist. But this time the cow's head has been severed from the body. And you can see that this fist is reaching up out of the ground, holding the bloody head of of the bull. And so that's a that's like the Scottish house of Stark and uh, I I found nothing you know that had the two-headed bird on it. I think I prefer the two-headed bird. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if it was a hand holding a severed bull head that people would be talking about that a lot more and not paying attention to it, exactly the that was probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's just crazy. It, it, uh, these crests don't go. Don't go searching the internet for family crests. <laughs> that's that's the rule. I, I just now I'm really curious about that family crest. Like, why did they pick that as, <laughs> as their crest? It's like, what's the guy's name in in uh, uh, Game of Thrones who like flays his people, and his his banner is the uh, um, Bruce Bolton, uh, the skinned person. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like why? Why do you want? I mean, I guess it's it's a power thing to advertise that, but still, yeah, yeah. yeah you want everybody to know that's what you stand for. <laughs> yeah. wow. If you're someone who flays people, you probably are proud of that fact. You literally can hang a flag on it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. Someone wants to stand in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, anyway, back to the movie here. Uh, so so we we cut, we have that great cut, uh, again, Favreau and his uh, his timing for comedy transitions as we cut to the drunk scene. And now we've got a music video playing behind them, and it is Ghostface Killa of the Wu-Tang Clan uh, playing the song Slept on Tony, which he released on his album Ghostini. Ghostini the Great, I guess is how you would say that. <laughs> I you know, I don't have that one in my catalog right now. I I don't either. I I'm not. Uh, I haven't listened to a lot of Ghostface Killer. How about you, Lorraine? I have not. However, that video is not the video for that song. It's a different Ghostface Killer video, which I do not know the name of. This well, that's that's. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I was looking for the video. I kept typing in "Slept on Tony." Uh, Ghostface Killer, and I could not find a music video. So it's now that that I find a really interesting point that uh, 
it's a totally different Ghostface Killa song. So that makes sense. And now I'm curious what that is. Yes. I guess Ghostface Killa actually um, has used the alias Tony Stark and Iron Man in his real life. And he even named his 1996 album Iron Man. So he clearly is a fan. He actually was in a scene in the movie, I guess, but got cut. Huh. Little known facts. So um, we, we end the scene where, where, again, we have our flight attendants and, and we see them uh, jamming out. This is where we get uh, some of the, uh, uh, a little bit more of the scene. We get more of the, of the talking here and the extended edition has, has kind of a, a, quite a bit of this. But the interesting thing is that if you're watching these flight attendants in the version that played in the film, their logistics make no sense where they are standing because there's there's edits that they had to use these these attendants to kind of shorten it and so if you're watching the three of them you'll realize that when you cut to tony and then you cut back it's a different flight attendant standing next to him and and they i think they had to just find a way to speed this scene up and that's what they did it all makes a lot more sense when you're watching it uh, in the extended edition. It's just a lot slower. Well, this is, but you also get to see why Tony's glasses all of a sudden disappear. This is one, <laughs> this is one of the, back to the question that we started with, and we'll move on because we can talk about this, uh, you know, tomorrow when we dig into the the, the meat of it, so to speak. But the, my question is, <laughs> do you think their primary intention was to speed up the scene or to somehow, uh, you know, balance out uh, what a non-trivial portion of their target audience would find offensive. I don't think they were trying to uh, balance out anything offensive. I think they just wanted a quicker scene. Um, Tony is a character that kind of thrives on creating chaos. And the scene, as it shows in the movie, is is very chaotic. You have noisy music and dancing flight attendants and he and Rhodey having two different conversations. And I think it just, the faster pace yeah. matched. I am inclined to agree because as you watch the extended cut, it just, the pacing is just it's really, painful. really slow. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I mean, granted, it's it's not completely edited. It doesn't have the music and all that sort of stuff, but it just feels like a slow scene. And you can see why they really wanted to move through it a lot quicker, because it's not giving you really any additional information that you need. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll stand down. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's it. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about as far as this minute is concerned? It's always fun when we get little minutes like this within a larger action movie because it's still yeah. a fun scene to watch and there's still things happening, but it's not an action scene. And obviously movies need these scenes. So that's that's a great point that there are still elements coming through in this scene that uh, that we do need. So um, cool. Lorraine, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Where can people uh, find you? Where are you uh, living on the interwebs? Uh, if you enjoy my voice, you can find me at Legible Scrawl and Monday Matinee. And if you'd rather just hear me talk about writing or reviewing superhero movies, you can find me at Tickled Ink on Blogspot. Excellent, excellent. All right, everybody. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, why don't you become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.